Here on Gadget Lab, we dive deep into the tech universe, tackling questions like, is giving companies access to your genetic material a good idea? And are the latest phone releases really that different than the last ones? We want to help you make informed decisions about what is worth your attention. And here's something that is undeniably worth your time, a digital subscription to Wired. Lucky for you, we are giving Gadget Lab listeners an exclusive discount, 20% off an annual subscription to Wired. Just visit Wired.com and use the promo code GL20 to get 20% off a digital subscription. Use GL20 to get exclusive access to stories on the latest innovations like AI, deepfakes, and VR, as well as today's most talked about people in technology. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Lauren. Mike. You have an iPhone, right? You know I have an iPhone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're looking right at it. <laughs> <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you measure the disgust you feel when you see a green bubble pop up in the group chat? Oh, how presumptuous of you. <laughs> I don't feel disgust. There are levels. There are levels. Like if friends are in Europe or some other part of the world, of course they're on an Android device. It's the most popular operating system in the world. Occasionally, if I'm on a group chat and everyone has an iPhone and then one person kind of messes it up, yeah, it's a little bit annoying, but that's their choice. How do you feel about it? Well, I'm an Android user, so I don't have this problem. I have the opposite problem. You just see everything in green. Uh, I see everything in whatever color I want because Android is very customizable. But also, I miss all kinds of stuff. Whatever you iPhone people are talking about, I can't see it. I miss texts. I can't see your photos. I can't see your videos. So I just feel left out. You can't see the tap backs, which is the most important part. What is a tap back? Oh, you're going to find out. <laughs> Jason here, fellow Android user. <laughs> I'm outnumbered for once. <laughs> How about that? I think uh, iPhone users are always outnumbered, aren't they? It's uh, true. Rim shot. Okay, well, let's get into it because that's what this week's show is about. Let's do it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gadget Lab. I am Michael Calori. I'm a senior editor at Wired. And I'm Lauren Good. I'm a senior writer at Wired. We're also joined this week by Wired senior editor Jason Kay. Jason, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Technically, I'm a features editor. But as nobody knows what a feature is outside of magazines, senior editor is perfectly <laughs> fine by me. I can't believe I blew the intro. I'm so sorry. Wired, wired features. No, no, no. Go back to senior. Okay. It's it sounds more impressive. <laughs> it's a feature. It's not a bug. All right. We'll leave it. Jason, I'm so thrilled to have you back on the show. You might recall that the last time you were here in studio, we talked a lot about your folding phone, and I proposed marriage to you. Yes. I'm. <laughs> Do you have an answer? Lauren, why are we doing this again? <laughs> it only looks worse for you to be to be rejected twice. Oh, I didn't realize you rejected me last time. You should go back and listen. <laughs> oh dying. no! I'm dying. I'm not gonna be able to podcast. Oh. This is great. All right. Well, luckily, I'm the one who has to read the script. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> 
For over a decade, mobile messaging has been split into two camps, blue bubbles and green bubbles. When an iPhone user receives a text message from another iPhone user, the message shows up on their screen inside a blue bubble. If an Android user sends a text, it shows up on the iPhone inside a green bubble. Apple users can send each other photos and videos at full quality. They can share Memoji. Their chats are encrypted. But when texting happens outside of Apple's ecosystem, like if you're texting with an Android user, many of those perks just disappear. Videos look terrible. Encryption isn't guaranteed. It's a nightmare. This is more than just a simple technical glitch. It's also a cultural issue. Android users are relegated to second class whenever they chat with an iPhone user. They miss whole threads in group chats. They never see their friends' cute cat videos. Teens with Android phones even get bullied for being green bubbles. Well, right now, things are happening in the world that might put an end to these limitations. Lauren, let's start with the story that you wrote for Wired this week about a company that turns green into blue. Yes, indeed. We should talk about a few things that are happening all at once here. So... First, we have to quickly talk about the nothing fiasco. And by nothing, <laughs> uh, that's the name of a phone company. And it was indeed a fiasco. This Android phone maker, Nothing, said about a month ago that they were going to be rolling out compatibility for iMessage on their phone, which is, once again, an Android phone. And they were going to be doing this using the technology from an app called Sunbird. It was specific to one phone, the Nothing 2. Disaster. They roll it out and like 24 hours later, all these technologists point out how horribly insecure it is. It required people to share their Apple user ID and password with this Android device. Um, they were using HTTP, not even HTTPS. It wasn't end-to-end encrypted. Within 24 hours, everyone was like, nope, yep, don't use Sunbird. I think it was even paused in the Google Play App Store. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here, folks. Exactly. But for a moment, people were... <laughs> That's my best attempt. <laughs> you did. Good job, Jason. Would you like to add something else? Quip, I've got please. nothing else. <laughs> okay, we should just have a quit button here that we... Yes. Then right around the same time, Apple suddenly said, after, I want to say, years of resistance at this point, that it would soon be supporting the RCS messaging standard. This is short for rich communication standard. It's a text messaging standard that has been wholly supported by Google Google has managed to get the carriers on board, too, and it's supposed to make text messaging generally better, and in particular, interoperability between different operating systems, mm -hmm. so Android and iPhone. The fact that Apple said that it was finally going to get on board and support this was like a pretty big deal in the, in the phone messaging world. Uh, we don't know exactly when that's happening yet, but supposedly that's coming. They okay. said next year. So like big yes. next year at some point. Yes. And we think that this is due to, in part to pressure from the European Union, which has been scrutinizing Apple and other big tech companies for their monopolistic practices. Mm -hmm. um, the story that I wrote for Wired this week is about another attempt to make this all better. It's a company called Beeper. And it started by the guy who founded the Pebble Watch many, many years ago, ah. Eric Mijakovsky. He's a Canadian engineer. He's a founder, an entrepreneur, and he is a big open source advocate. So when he puts stuff there out into the world, he wants everyone to be able to see how he and his team are doing it, how they're making a thing happen. He'd been working on this Beeper app for a few years, and... According to him, the way that he was doing it was, and, and so the point of Beeper, to back up a little bit, the point of Beeper is to make it so if you have Beeper installed on your Android phone and you're messaging with someone on an iPhone, that 
iPhone user on the other end basically experiences your Android messages like their iMessages. You see blue bubbles, you can see tapbacks, you can see emoji, you can see all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Why does this have to be done through apps, by the way? As opposed to the native messaging yeah. apps? Because Apple for many, many years has refused to support iMessage on Android. You have an Android phone, so you know. Right. When you open your text app, for the most part, it's defaulting to SMS, which is supported by the wireless carriers. Uh, now with RCS, it's also quite likely that you probably don't even realize that you're using RCS, but you might be using RCS because RCS now has more than a billion users globally on Android phones. But Apple has made it pretty clear that they don't want iMessage to work on Android because it weakens their position in the market. It also breaks some of the encryption or could potentially break some of the encryption that they have in place. But like iMessage is very proprietary to Apple. And it's what keeps people locked in to using an iPhone and a Mac and an iPad and all that stuff. So that's why when you use the default app, there hasn't been a lot of interoperability. So all the solutions that have come out around this have been third-party apps. And if I were, any Android user has to download Beeper, for instance, correct to text with iPhones. This is this is what the, this company is positing. Yeah, yeah, they're saying it's called Beeper Mini. It's just like an early initial version of the app. It's only going to work on Android phones, and you do have to get into the habit of like opening that app and using that as your messaging app if you want this to work. Yeah, but their idea is like, hey, like do you guys remember the early days of um, ICQ and AIM and where you would sometimes have a client like Adium or Trillion? Oh, Trillion that would that would run and it would like collate all of your messages into one app interface so it didn't matter if the person was on aol aim uh msn yeah (laughs) jabber yeah all the different protocols were supported in this like one app and so beeper believes that they can be that app for for chat why not just use as i do whatsapp when you're texting well because then you're doing whatsapp to whatsapp right yeah Right, signal but ev- to signal. at this point, everyone has or... WhatsApp and Signal anyway. I don't <laughs> That's think true. We, we want yet another messaging I think those app. Are probably two, the two most. Would you say Signal? What's the most important messaging app to all of you guys? Like, if you had to choose just one. To me, it's just my my default text messaging app. Interesting. Because uh, Signal, it's like I have to ask the person, "Do you have Signal?" And they say, <laughs> "No." What's that? And I say, "Never mind. Just text me." And you don't say, oh, I'm a journalist. I have Signal. Here's why. No. <laughs> Does WhatsApp not incorporate some of Signal's protections? Uh, they use they all they all they use the same encryption, right? They they will they use end to end encryption in many instances, and in fact, Meta a lot of Meta Meta's apps do now. Meta owns WhatsApp. There are different flavors of end to end encryption. Mm-hmm. There's like pure E two E E. There's asymmetrical or uh, public key cryptography encryption. Um, these are like public... Jason's eyes are literally glazed over. I'm going <laughs> to stop. Really I'm going to stop now. But yes, the, increasingly the apps that we use are using end-to-end encryption. The one that doesn't still is like SMS, the mm-hmm. thing that you're using through like Verizon or AT&T or whoever your carrier is, and you have to pay them for messages. So like, why are we still using SMS? I don't know. I have a beeper question. Okay. So does beeper mini work? So you and I and the founder, Eric Minchikovsky, briefly tried it, right, Mike? We were like on a chat together. You downloaded Beeper. Yep. You and I were messaging. And the last message I had from you, I had written, ha, ha, ha. It was very profound. It was a green bubble. <laughs> and then I messaged you and it turned blue. And I was like, what the, what just happened? And there's the little the little signal in the app that shows you what protocol you're using. It'll say like, you know, MMS chat, 
uh, on on Android, it'll say RCS chat. But I saw your screenshot and it actually switched to iMessage. It did. It actually said at the top iMessage. Yeah. So I should note that when I downloaded, I downloaded a beta, right? But Uh it's essentially the same as what's being released this week. Um, I had to authenticate with my Apple ID. So they say they've since removed that. Okay. Like you had to do that for the beta, but like the the final version of Beeper Mini that's going to be pushed out through the Google Play Store, it's an option to use your Apple ID, but they claim that they've now Eliminated taken that. away their requirements. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. How did yeah, you feel about that? I wouldn't even know what my Apple ID is. <laughs> so what do you, do you, what would you use? Well, you have a Mac computer, right? Right. So you use your Apple ID for that. But do I, how would... I mean, do you do you use like Apple Music? Or Literally none of it. iTunes. I'm outside the Apple ecosystem. <laughs> yeah, so when for work probably, I have to be in it. You probably, that's why we can never be married. You're outside of the walled garden. You probably have one at, from some. I'm sure years and exists. years and years ago. Yeah, they, but, but you just password retrieval on that thing is very difficult. I mean, by design, easier to call the Pentagon. <laughs> it really have you is. tried that too? <laughs> Once a week. Um, so I'm glad that they removed that that requirement. Uh, I am still curious about how it works though if you don't have to log in but is the company like making its methodology publicly available or anything like that yes so two answers to that and i'll try to make it as simple as possible one yes they're publishing all their documentation on github because once again eric mizhikovsky is a big open source advocate and he wants to make sure that um anyone apple privacy and security researchers other people who want to build apps on top of it maybe are available to see like how they're doing this. The second part that's interesting is that up until just a few months ago, the way that Beeper was doing this was they had bought several hundred Mac mini servers. And they were doing a thing where they basically created a relay system. They were taking every iMessage that was being sent or Android message that was being sent to to iPhone in in like the beta version of the app. And they were sending it through their servers and then like spitting it back out as an iMessage. It was very insecure. It's not scalable. They were just like testing stuff out, apparently. And then this 16-year-old coder from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, messaged Eric on Discord and said, I think I have something you want to see. He'd been working on this this Python, this the coding language Python, been working on this, this Python project where he had examined the way that Apple's push notifications work and then looked at the way like Apple Music operates on Windows as an example cobbled together this proof of concept, sent it to Eric and said, I think you need to take a look at this. And and Eric and the Beeper team actually ended up utilizing this. They were like, yeah, this, this kid figured something out that we hadn't figured out before. They now have him on a part-time contract to work for Beeper when he's not in his junior year of high school <laughs> and also working part-time at McDonald's in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Wow. And they say that this is what Beeper Mini is running on. Wow. Wait, can I ask Mike how it felt when you essentially fooled Lauren into thinking you were sending an iMessage? <laughs> well, when I, you when you beep bloopered, what is it? Beep beeper. When you beep, bamboozled her? <laughs> I I don't feel as though I duped her at all because we had well, discussed it. Sure. However, uh I'll play along. It was actually kind of cool to be able to send like a photo or a video in something that is not like Signal or Slack or WhatsApp, just what felt like a regular text message and have her receive it 
And also like she could send me videos or photos and I could see them at full quality, right? Mm-hmm. Because you, you probably are painfully aware of this when you try to share a video with well, somebody. I would take exception to the advert painfully because I'm not <laughs> sure. I asked the question in part because I'm not sure I would find this experience particularly uh, pleasing. Well, mm. I'll... I think you have felt the pain, though, of somebody sending you, hey, check out this cool play- this cool thing that just happened, and they send you a video that they just shot, and it just looks like a pixelated shitstorm. Right, and that gives me the perfect excuse not to watch it. <laughs> so I'm not even sure pain is <laughs> felt. It's, it's true. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, like it's very someone... freeing. I never have to look at photos or videos that are sent to Texting me. for misanthropes. Exactly. Uh, real quick, before we move on, what are the chances that Apple shuts this down immediately? Well, because Beeper Mini is going to be available on the Google Play Store, it's not something that Apple can directly control. It's not like it can take it off its App Store. It's not going to be in the Apple App Store, at least to start. They could, you know, send Beeper some strongly worded letters or a cease and desist if they see something within the technology that encroaches upon their proprietary tech or they feel you know, seriously threatens the security of iMessage in any way. But Eric Majakowski and the team have said, well, one, this 16-year-old's proof of concept that he put out there into the world is like, it's been out there for a few months, right? Anyone could go look at it. Beeper also plans to, you know, open source how it has built the Beeper mini app. And they also note that reverse engineering uh, technology applications for the sake of interoperability is supposedly covered by elements of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. So they really feel as though they're covered here. This is what they're putting in their their blog post that goes along with the app. Um, I'm sure that they're expecting some kind of reaction or blowback. I mean, I think what could also potentially be more damaging is if the security community comes out and really pokes holes in this and is like, no, you haven't figured out what nothing failed at, you know, that there, that there's some kind of loophole here or something that exposes people's private information um, that's that's like damaging. Right. Uh, you know, I think there's potential for that to happen, too. But we'll we'll see once people have had time to test and use the app. Nice. All right. Well, I'm sure Apple's lawyers are very busy right now. I'm sure they're <laughs> I'm sure they're always busy. I'm sure they're extremely well paid and very busy. All right, pause there. We need to take a break, but we'll be right back. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Want a new podcast to look forward to each week? One that's entertaining, informative, and packed with actionable content? Come on, of course you do. Introducing The Jordan Harbinger Show. The Jordan Harbinger Show, which Apple named one of its best of 2018, is aimed at making you a better informed, more critical thinker so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your own conclusions about what's happening, even inside your own brain. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, from athletes, authors, and scientists, to mobsters, spies, and hostage negotiators. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
or wherever you're listening right now. All right, Jason, I want to come back to this thing we were just talking about. You have an Android phone. Have you ever felt left out, sidelined, made to feel less than by your iPhone <laughs> friends? Marginalized. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I did very briefly at the beginning, but then I quickly realized uh, that it was a blessing in a green-tinted disguise. Uh, <laughs> and as I, as I think I indicated earlier, I don't think I'm convinced that interoperability, which, by the way, is such a multi-syllabic, Latinate monstrosity of a word that we all just pretend rolls off the tongue. Cory Doctorow is feeling daggers in his heart right now. (laughs) Would would he like that word? No, he loves the word. He loves that word. No, you're right. I'm a big fan, too. As am I, but come on, we don't need to participate in the techno jargon. Uh, I'm not convinced interoperability is a a worthy goal, And, and, and maybe one of you can convince me out of that. I mean, I, I suppose I can understand the consumer interest perspective, but as a consumer with interests, uh, as I s- said earlier, it, it's so freeing not to participate in, in what everyone else is participating in. Is that the only reason, though? Uh, I mean, what do you, do you Well, I mean, do you, do you have logical or even technical reasons for Sure, I, I don't mind having six different chat apps running on my phone or on my laptop. Well, I or six. What, I mean, I have two. Which and ones? I have my native messaging app, and I have WhatsApp for emergencies, mostly when I need to send my brother a voice recording of me singing, uh, which I otherwise wouldn't be able to do what six do times sing? a day. Oh, we mostly communicate in song. Uh, <laughs> do you guys compare falsetto? Pretty much. <laughs> What's an example of that? <laughs> Uh, a line from a movie, an actual song. Uh, we usually, the, the the bar is you have to sort of meaningfully, do you care about this? <laughs> the way my brother and I communicate. Uh, meaningfully transform a melody, for instance. Uh, so like, if you're gonna sing it the way it was originally sung, there's no point in sending it. But if you, uh. can, if you can transform it somehow, uh, make it new when oh. it's worthy of a of a voice. Is your brother like a fair use lawyer or something? <laughs> no, but all of these would pass muster. <laughs> okay, got it. Uh, but yeah, again, and it's very hard to that. yes because it's you can't do that uh, Android to iPhone. Right. The, yeah. What actually has to happen is you, I send the voice file and then the person has to f- forward it to their email and then open it in their email. I mean, come on. But what? An, I mean, if you do do that, the reward I think from that effort can actually feel pretty profound. Like I've had friends say they act, they put in the time to forward it, open it, and then they heard me singing and from their computer, not just their, their phone. <laughs> and it was an important memorable experience for them. So I'm just not convinced, okay, let me put it differently. Remember when startups really sold us on the promise of frictionless experiences? Mm-hmm. Yes. Continuity. Really, yeah. Yes, but I remember that word in particular, frictionless. Uh, do we hear it so much anymore? I don't hear it so much anymore. It seems to have been phased out. And I wonder if that's because technologists realize that we need friction to walk, for instance. I mean, you, you literally can't move without friction or hold your teacup. Uh, and so there's value in putting a little effort in to have experiences. And maybe I'm just being contrarian about this, but when I have to work a little to read a message, watch a video, whatever, it means more to me because it wasn't, seamless it wasn't frictionless right so i mean yes i'm sure it'll be 
better for the world if we all can text in the same whatever. What do you call it? Garden. I, mean, I was going to say at least at least a <laughs> container, right? Like it's to have them all sort of collated in the same place and then be able to access them across devices. And then also, yes, be certain that there's there are security layers. Yeah, that's in place. That's, that's the big one for right, me. Right, right. I don't think that. Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> what's that? Have you heard of it? All right. So uh, this is one way that I can try to convince you okay. that it would be a net positive <laughs> if we were all able to communicate on the same messaging protocol. It's because there is a a secure connection between what I am sending you and what you're receiving, and everything that we're saying is encrypted on both ends, right? You understand the benefits of that. I mean, barely. Sure. <laughs> but in the abstract, I think we all we all understand. I think the, the world benefits. would be a better place if more people can listen to me and my brother's <laughs> voice recordings. <laughs> I, I do think it would be a better experience all around if you sent a voice recording to somebody and they didn't have to go through the hoop of downloading it onto their computer and listening to it because they could still do that. But if they want to listen to it on their phone, they would be able to. If they want to see your video, they would be able to. If they wanted to see your photos, they could look at them and then tap and send a heart back to you or something like that. Ooh, like all God, of that I stuff. I hate when people do that. <laughs> and we should talk too on Android. Of course, I don't know if this is still true, but when people used to send iPhone reactions, it would like spell it out. Yeah. Yes. So and so hearted this video. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. The horror. I like yeah. to give it back Waste to people. I like to give it back to people. I say Michael Calori emphasized an image. <laughs> but you literally type that out. Yeah. It's like the same thing my 17 year old nephew does. <laughs> he types it out. Well, now we know where my Jack put it in those little uh, carrots or whatever. Yeah. No. By the. No. Where should we go from here? Well, I think the... Where do we go from here? Can I say, too, that most of the people sending me... Video, I, 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 I hate to harp on this, and maybe it's a played out point, but 99% of the videos and photos I receive, I don't need to, to receive. And so when people know I have an Android device, they don't send me these things. It <laughs> minimizes the amount of communication. And I actually know, again, this. I'm being very serious here because we have way too much pinging at us Stuff. in our lives and mm -hmm. if if people know that i'm not gonna be able to receive it anyway they don't feel the obligation to send it and i and i i, I feel liberated by this i'm sure they feel liberated by this <laughs> well okay here's another practical thing that you could gain in group chats mm -hmm. if you're in a group chat you're I the see, android but i don't even go on <laughs> <laughs> are you in the group chat i want to know the person saying get me out of this group chat yeah, he's the misanthrope uh if you're in a group chat and you're on an android phone and everybody else is on iphones and you're all chatting away and then somebody sends one message you don't get it and then somebody else replies and you don't see that reply and then maybe you see the third or the fourth one and you're like well, what the hell is going on and sometimes you can drop off the chat for a day and then come back and nobody really know. I mean, I'm sure some people know, but most people don't really know what's causing it. So they don't know how to avoid it from happening. So if you're all on the same protocol and you're all on the same platform, then you see everything and that's not a problem. So the lost message thing just goes away. I mean, I, I know what you're saying, but I, it's so hard for me to relate. These all sound like made up or make believe problems to me. <laughs> I don't have any of them. If I don't understand what's happening in a group chat, I just don't respond. It's wonderful. <laughs> Jason, I, have you always been on Android? No. Okay. So For what years. was your life like on iPhone? It was too easy. Too easy. I think, again, there has to be some friction in our relationship with technology. I've said, I think I've said this on this, this very podcast before. If not, I've said it to you. 
in our personal lives. I mean, if if you met someone and they said, you know, their relationship with their partner was perfect and had no problems, you would be like, come on, you you would you would you would instantly be suspicious of of this person and not believe them for a second. And so when people want from technology that same kind of perfect relationship, I'm immediately suspicious. We should want bumps. We should want the challenges. We should want things to overcome in any relationship, whether it's with a person or with our phone. Mm -hmm. uh, it makes those relationships more meaningful, more worthwhile. Uh, I really do believe this. And I like- How do you establish the what's that what's worth that friction what's valuable to question. you then i mean in a relationship in in technology what what is the reward then for having that it's just a closeness right if you're able to to poke fun at something or someone then it conveys an intimacy that that feels truer to me and of course these these little problems can't be anything more than just little problems, right? I mean, my volume doesn't work on my TV, but I'm fine with that because I get to have a conversation with my TV whenever I can't turn the volume up because it wants to turn it down. That's funny to me. Mm -hmm. So I, and I wait, talk wait, to wait. it. <laughs> wait, you talk to it because why? Is there Alexa in your TV? No, and just, you, you know, I talk to my, I mean, am I talking to, to myself? It. Am I talking oh. to it? Okay, and what do you say to it? I just sort of poke fun at it. The way uh -huh. I would imagine people then, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a relationship you know, one person does one thing, the other person expects the other, and then it 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 it's, it creates an opening for a, a cute little jab. Can you tell I have never been in a real relationship with a human being? <laughs> <laughs> but I am with my television. You got you got most of it. I think you got most Wait, of it. Does there. the volume <laughs> never work? No, no, it works some oh, of the time. It, it never, the time. never worked. Okay. Then this again, that would rise okay. to a problem that's 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 okay. beyond the pale, right? But how, how may I ask? How old were you when you got like on the internet? Like, what was the first like app that you oh, remember using or being attached in to? Elementary school. And w were you on the chat apps? Were you? Did you use dial-up? I dial was on AIM. Okay. Very much used dial-up. Yeah, I mean that's a lot of friction. I know, but and, once you're in, you're in, and then it feels like you're in something else. I like. It's a portal. Yes, exactly right. And I miss that sense of technology as as a portal because it's so integrated now. Right. It's expected to be continuous with our lives, but what if? It act, what if it were compartmentalized in, in a way? And that works for me because I'm very uh, kind of one track minded. I can't I, go on. I've had a couple of experiences recently where I've just put my phone down in the other room so I can eat dinner and like have a conversation with somebody. Mm -hmm. And then I walk past and I see my phone and it's got like 18 notifications and I feel this pang of guilt. Yes. I you hate shouldn't that. feel that you're right. Mm -hmm. right? You it's, should hate that. Yeah. It's inhuman. Just this morning, uh, it's a Monday morning when we're taping this, folks. Fresh start to the week. <laughs> I made a conscious decision not to look at my phone for like the first two hours after I got up. I noticed that because I was slacking you and you weren't responding. Uh-huh. <laughs> I exercised. And then I actually had a thought as I was exercising, which is, oh, I have to get, I have to shower and get ready relatively quickly this morning because there's some stuff that's going on. And, and I thought, why can I never get ready quickly? Like, I'm just not a person who can rush out the door. And I was like, oh, it's because I check my phone 17 times in between like doing different tasks and brushing my teeth and hair and everything. So I like once again, like left the phone on the bed stand, went from exercise to shower to dressed, did not check my phone. Mm -hmm. It was a brilliant. It was a brilliant thing. I think I'm going to do this more often. 
of course, I'd then missed 18 notifications and felt terrible <laughs> when I checked and I had a message from you and I was, yeah. It was a positive message. It was, well, it was mostly positive, but you did need an answer to something. And I, I yes. But <laughs> in some ways, I wonder, the reason why I ask about your early internet experience is because I wonder if some of this is a bit of a move back to an earlier time on the internet, although that's probably wishful thinking on my part. When I think about this this post-Twitter era we're entering into now, where people are turning to other social networks like Mastodon or Blue Sky or Threads um, or Is T2 it called Blue Sky? But some of these apps are promising to be federated, right, and decentralized, and but they're like kind of annoying to use. Mm. Like, like Mastodon is really annoying to, to use. But supposedly it's like it's, you know, an open protocol and it's better for everyone. And here's why. And and like maybe that is a necessary friction that we need after just shit posting on Twitter for 15 years. This is the best case yet for signing up for these. For me, I, I have no interest in being on Mastodon or Blue Ski, Blue Sky. But if there's some effort involved, maybe he's I like, should be. He's like, oh, it's impossible. Sign <laughs> me up. Mm -hmm. Well, I will say that like the friction thing, I, I get what you're saying, Jason, because I feel that and it makes me want to step away and i do recognize that that's healthy but there are times when i want as little friction as possible like for example i'm in a band with like seven other people he's in three bands <laughs> one of my bands is a lot of people right it's like seven other people and we were trying to like coordinate say yes to a show can everybody do this date can we get together on this date to rehearse and there were like two people who were just not replying and everybody's like what the hell's going on well, it turns out they were on Android phones and I was one of them and we were missing all this critical information in the group chat. So we got everybody in the band on Signal and we all use Signal to communicate with each other and nobody misses a message anymore. We can share files. We can, you know, share photos and videos all the time. And it's it's so seamless. And I think about that time before we all moved to Signal and it feels like it gives me the hives. I mean, that's all for the good. And it'd be very hard for me to argue with any of that. And I'm not even sure I'm saying we shouldn't embrace a single protocol. I just want to suggest that it's not all bad for some of us Android users who are, I hate to use this word, this buzzword, but I will, othered by uh, <laughs> by the Apple hegemony, uh, right? at least in our certain social circles and i'm not yeah and i also want to be on guard against any kind of techno nostalgia sort of what lauren was suggesting that i, I that i may be trying to recreate a, a 90s era experience of of the web because i don't think that's true either but i think i am trying to think about ways for me personally to be comfortable with the amount of technology in our lives and one way i do that when one thing i tell myself is that it doesn't work perfectly and that lets that that those cracks let me feel still in control. Like this, mm. this thing is not. Mm -hmm. I'm not part of it. It's 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 part of me. No, that doesn't quite work. Did you feel that way when your folding phone broke? I wasn't upset. I mean, I should have gotten more than nine months out of my Samsung Flip, which again, yes, did crack after after nine months. They promised. Well, I don't know if they promised it, but. It was it was it was suggested that they they stress tested these things and they were guaranteed two hundred thousand flips and being a phone minimalist that I am there's no way I flipped that thing more than a few <laughs> thousand times. times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, nonetheless, it snapped. But no, I wasn't upset about this, and uh, in, in in fact, I was kind of if it hadn't cost me a thousand dollars, which was 
upsetting, uh, I would have been delighted. <laughs> that I got to experience a phone that actually broke. I mean, when was the last time a phone just crapped out in your hands? I mean, I know iPhones. Jason, how is this a good thing? <laughs> Was this like late stage capitalism? Because the, the phone is not me. It's this stupid thing in my pocket. You just described paying a thousand dollars for know. a phone that broke within nine months, out of warranty. You didn't get any money Lauren, back I'm trying from... to be okay with it. Don't. don't, don't. I know, and I'm sorry. And now you're on a Samsung Galaxy A. Let's not even talk. Let's save this for another podcast. Cheap but phones are great. Jason, Cheap phones are great. They really are. Jason, the forces that be, the technological forces that be, actually are making our lives a little bit worse. Better on the whole, a little bit worse. On that note, mm -hmm. I do think we have to wrap up okay. Go on forever. <laughs> and talk about non-technological recommendations when we come do back. Do they have to be non-technological? Yeah, those are my new rules, yes. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, yours can be technological. Hey, everybody, it's Neil. I've got some huge news. Decoder is moving to Mondays and Thursdays. We're adding a second episode of the show. On Mondays, we'll have our classic interviews with CEOs and other troublemakers. I think we're going to have to start having conversations about how do we pay those jobs that can't be done by AI. And on Thursdays, we'll be explaining big topics in the news with Verge reporters, experts, and other friends of the show. There's a new generation of people on the internet. Google search has always sucked for them. So, you know, there's no reason for them to be loyal. They can just go to TikTok. This is going to be really fun. I'm very excited about all this. So go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts now. All right, welcome back. Let's get right into our recommendations for the week. Jason, as our guest, tell the people what they should love. Ooh, piracy. <laughs> and I'm serious. It's near the end of the year. I've been thinking back on sort of themes of 2023. And for me personally, but I also think possibly for the culture, pirates were one of them. I mean, we had One Piece and Our Flag Means Death, season two of Our Flag Means Death, and the live action adaptation of One Piece, but both uh, pretty spectacular pirate shows. Uh, so spectacular that I'm now myself, I think, becoming piratical, uh, aesthetically, spiritually, in every way one can become. What does that mean? I don't know. I... Are you downloading the episodes off of BitTorrent? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, but uh, I am reading pirate histories. Under the Black Flag would be another recommendation. Mm. Uh, they, it's been suggested that it led to the the kind of modern obsession with pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean, et cetera. Mm. Uh, a fantastic work of history. Um, yeah, and I, I just feel a kinship with with golden age pirates, you know, seventeen early 1700s. Uh, and I think other people do as well. That's my recommendation, Mike. I, I think you're right, because otherwise those shows would not be on television. Exactly right. <laughs> Were you a pirate for Halloween? Uh, nothing so, uh, performative as that. <laughs> I think I'm, a, again, a pirate in, not for real. I'm not, you know, looting and pillaging mm -hmm. yet, mm -hmm. but there's a certain spirit to mm -hmm. piracy. Maybe this is related to the conversation we had er earlier. Uh, Android users are maybe sort of maybe more piratical than, than nah. Apple, you no, know, am I reaching? Well, they just far outnumber Apple users, actually. Oh, well, that like wouldn't, 70 that wouldn't of work. 70% of the world is on Android. I suppose in our social, in our social circles, it might be the case that yeah. Android yeah. users are. Maybe it just means you feel like an anarchist. Right, I just don't, I want to be free of the, the, the constraints of society, as did the pirates. Uh, 
So well, Jason, I'd hate to break it to you, but um, pirates don't drink GSMs; they drink crappy rum. <laughs> they also drink wine, <laughs> barrels and barrels of wine, <laughs> kept below below decks. Okay, Lauren, what's your recommendation? I can't top that one. Sure, you can. All right, just try. My recommendation, I can't believe I'm going to recommend something having to do with phones after all of this. It's the Blackberry movie. Oh, this is totally this is totally on point. Finally had a chance to watch it this weekend. Even thought to myself, do I really want to spend my free time watching a movie about phones? Folks, I did. <laughs> it was so great. It's produced by the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Uh, Blackberry, as some of you may remember, is was a Canadian company. It was actually called Research in Motion. And um, it's about the meteoric rise and the crash, ultimately, of BlackBerry. While we're talking about messaging, I should note that prior to Apple Messages, BlackBerry actually had its own proprietary device-specific global messaging network, BBM. Folks, I'm talking about BBM. How awesome was that? Do you remember when um, Entourage had a paid product placement for BlackBerry? And like Vinny no. and the boys were all talking about like BBM that to me. No, I don't remember that. But that's that's perfect. <laughs> did you, you have remember? a BlackBerry? Oh, I did. Um, I was issued one or two of them by the Wall Street Journal when I worked there. And um, you might recall from a story I wrote, Jason, there's a little note in there about BlackBerry, how I was talking to someone who claimed that the BlackBerry network was down and. I knew it was not. Anyway. Right. (laughs) (laughs) uh, But yeah, no, I I did have, and then I had the small BlackBerry at one point, the BlackBerry Pearl. And then I remember the BlackBerry Storm coming out in response to the iPhone and maybe not fully like remembering the the story behind that, but it was in fact a direct response to the iPhone. It was like an all screen BlackBerry and it just, it totally flopped. The movie goes into that too. Um, I mean, it's really about the characters. It's about the two, the two founders, the uh, three founders, I should say, but the, Two, I think it really emphasizes are Mike Lazaridis, who is the Canadian engineer who actually built the first prototypes of BlackBerry. He was the tech, you know, the technical genius behind it. And then Jim Balsillie, who is this totally wild and mercurial executive who just like came in, you know, practically just like announced himself a a founder and co-CEO and then really commercialized the product, but just was a wild card of an executive. And um, all this is true. It's based on a true story written um, by two, I believe, journal reporters, a book called Losing the Signal. It's. I thought it was really good. Also, some uh, really good tracks in there, too. Nice. Um, good needle the drops. Strokes, The Kinks, Waterloo Sunset. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, because uh, they're from Waterloo, Ontario. That's right. Ontario. That's right. Nice. There's a lot of stories in the movie. Sorry. A lot of people saying sorry. Yeah. Really good. Recommend it. Great. Yeah. When, uh, where where do you get it? I rented it on Apple TV Plus. Nice. So I think you can probably get it other places yeah, too. You rent YouTube it just TV by, or yeah. What about you, Mike? What's your recommendation? Uh, Pizzeles. Say more. Pizzeles. You guys down with Italian? Oh, Pizzeles. Yeah, yes, down with yeah, the Italian cookies. Of course, with this powdered sugar on top. Oh, oh so my good. Gosh. So a pizzele is a waffle cookie. It's a very thin and crispy cookie, usually flavored with anise, sometimes flavored with vanilla or cinnamon or a combination of those three flavors. Um, so these are, for me, the quintessential Christmas cookie because all of my relatives on the Italian side of my family make pizzeles for Christmas. And they have these old, ancient, 
like you know very dangerous probably but say lay irons that they use and they make piles of them so you go to you know christmas dinner you go to the christmas eve party you go for the eggnog drinks whatever there's always just piles of pizzele and um i you know i crave that that taste so i have been trying to find pizzele out there and i can't because they're very scarce however in the last couple of years like middle of the pandemic until now, it has become much easier to find them in stores. You can buy them in like clamshell packages. You can buy them in sleeves. The Italian bakery started making them because people kept asking about them. So they figured it out. I have a pizzele iron that I bust out for the month of December. Uh, they are like not necessarily like strictly a Christmas cookie, but they're more common around Christmas and Easter than they are other times of the year. There really are baking trends, aren't there? I mean, there financiers mm-hmm. and Queen Amans are suddenly, mm. or Keen, how do you say it? Queen Amon, yeah. Queen Amon, yeah. they're yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Two years ago, what, no one knew how to say that word. No one knew, unless you, unless you went to Tartine Bakery in San Francisco, you didn't know what it was. <laughs> Maybe, did, did Tartine pioneer the pezzele craze? Uh, I, I've never seen a pezzele at Tartine. I'm sure if they did sell it, it would be like $4. <laughs> <laughs> How much should a pizzale cost? <laughs> oh, uh, ten cents. You should be able to buy ten of them for less for than buck. less than four dollars. I think. I think you could probably get them at um, Luca Delicatessen. Uh, last time I looked, they did not carry them. What? Yeah, specialty Italian stores often do not carry them, but bakeries do. Although it's different in every city, right? I've just noticed that in big cities that I've visited recently, it's easier to find pizzale in like the specialty store, you know, like the Dean and DeLuca kind of place, or at like the little the little bakery that has all the cakes, and so you can go in and make an order, a special order for your birthday or anniversary or whatever. Yeah. So. I'm I'm saying like look, there's a lot of cookie options out there. There's a lot of fantastic Italian cookies to choose from. Give the pizzele a shot. Can you bring them into Wired? I can. In fact, I have a family recipe that I have been making uh, a vegan version. And oh, you lost me there. I'm <laughs> right, so you know with you. <laughs> you know what, Jason? <laughs> You don't have to eat the cookies. No, no, no. You, no, no you I, don't, take, I take it back, Mike. You don't you have bake to reply it with love, to the text. How dare I? <laughs> I won't reply to the text, but I will eat one of your <laughs> vegan cookies. Good. You'll eat it and you'll love it. I'm sure I... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I... Mm. That's what I have to say there. Uh, I'll buy you a non-vegan one. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, thanks for the recommendations, guys. That was great. Thank you for your recommendation. Accept all cookies. Accept all cookies all the time. All right. That is our show for this week. Jason Kay, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. I hope we can still be friends. If not lovers. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I never thought that was in the cards as long as I've known you. (laughs) And scene. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. If you have feedback, particularly for Jason, you can find all of us on the various social medias. Uh, Just check the show notes. Just try. You can find him on Blueski. Our producer is, (laughs) our producer is Boone Ashworth. We will be back with another episode next week. And until then, goodbye. Hackers and cybercriminals have always held this kind of special fascination. Obviously, I can't tell you too much about what I do. It's a game. Who's the best hacker? And I was like, well, this is child's play. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, and on the Click Here podcast, you'll meet them and the people trying to stop them. We're not afraid of the attack. We're afraid of the creativity and the intelligence of the human being behind it. Click Here, stories about the people making and breaking our digital world. 
AI machines, satellite, engine ignition, click here, and liftoff. Click here every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. From P. 